out of the way to start with. You never see Pastor Mark minister in this church that Sister Pam's not sitting beside him. You never see Pastor Matt minister in this church that, that Vanessa's not sitting with him. Um, I'm by myself tonight. And I wasn't going to say this, but I just believe the Lord put it on my heart that somebody needs to hear this. My wife made a mistake. And she nearly paid for it with her life. She spent a week on a ventilator, on life support, in ICU down here at UAB Medical West. Part of that time, it was breathing 100% for her. I mean, I would look at her, and, and I would see this, this like glob of clay there. You couldn't even see her features hardly because of all this stuff down her, these tubes and covering her face. And, and I was literally preparing to say goodbye to my wife. God sent Ricky Todd, those of y'all been connected with the foundry and a lot of others know Ricky, sent him down there on a Friday morning to, to minister with us, to, to, to pray with us. A few days later, he sent some people from this church. Um, they, they literally prayed her eyes open. One, one of the people that was there told me, said it sounded like an auctioneer's convention back here in that ICU room, all the, the praying in tongues going on that morning. But when I came in an hour or so later, she followed me with her eyes. First sign of life that I'd seen. The first sign of life. And they would, they would tell me that they could watch the monitors and watch her pulse and her blood pressure and all these signs, these vital signs, quicken when I would speak to her because she was recognizing my voice. I just want to tell you, I want to put it on your heart, whether you're part of the foundry or not, one of the things we're going to talk about in a few minutes is that we all struggle with something. But one decision, just one decision, is all it takes to steal every bit of potential that, the God, that God has got for us. I mean, she's in a, the physical rehabilitation unit at UAB West right now, she'll be there, been there since Thursday, probably be there another 10 days, and we don't know for sure what the future holds after that. She's learning to walk again. She, she can talk, carry on a conversation. She can fuss and complain. She can joke, you know, she's, she's a net. She's feeding herself. You know, God help me keep her out of a car when she gets home. I don't know how we're going to deal with that yet. I'm going to give Matt the keys or something. But, um, but I mean, just one decision and life can never again be the same. And I want you all to think about this. You know, every decision that we make has consequences, either good or bad. I do want you all to stand in agreement with me on prayer. I don't mean physically stand right now, but just, just agree with me in prayer that she's not only going to be completely restored, she's going to be better than you. I would have, I would have put the pictures on the screen, but if she, it's bad enough when I put them on Facebook when she's been in the hospital. If, they, if she had seen these pictures of her on the screen with the tubes down her throat and all that, I would have had to have a place to live. So, but, um, so I got that out of the way. Um, God started giving me my message for tonight a few weeks ago when we had the picnic. And I could stand 
I was sitting under the, the trees back here behind the church, and I could look up Brooklane Drive toward Allison Bonnet Memorial Drive up there, and you could literally see the clearing in the trees where this little apartment Matt was talking about earlier where I was busted for manufacturing controlled substances back on um, March the, excuse me, March, where'd that come from? November 13th of 2009, 112 and a half Brooklane Drive. I mean, I could turn just a, a, a few degrees to the left and I could see this intersection out here in front of the post office where I came to in the middle of the night in a rainstorm one night from a blackout with blue lights flashing everywhere. And I think about it, you know, one of them was an easy five minute walk from here. The other, maybe what, less than a hundred yards. But it seems like so far away. It seems like a lifetime away. And in one sense, it is. And he began to give me this message, and I knew that someday I would, I would stand here on this stage and I would preach it. I had no idea that it would be this soon. And um, it kind of took me by surprise when Pastor Mark called me, I don't know, a few days ago, and just said, hey, can, can you give a message on Sunday night? And I praise God, he's already started giving it to me. I was going to come up here with 26 pages of notes, and, um, you know, then life got in the way, and so I got a few pages of notes, and then he kept giving me, Romans chapter 6. So we're going to we're going to go through these little bit of notes and we're going to read some passages and talk about a few passages from, from Romans chapter 6 and then I'm going to let everybody go home. Um, was the amen because we're going through Romans chapter 6 or because we're all going to get to go home? <laughs> amen. I'll amen that one, okay? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is the new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So therefore, that little apartment right up there and that intersection right out there that we'll all pass through when we leave the church tonight, they are a lifetime away. Because, you know, even though I had been raised up in a church, I think that I, I, what little bit of believing that I did was more out of fear. You, you hear of hellfire and brimstone Southern Baptist preachers? Well, let me tell you, I've heard a few hellfire and brimstone Catholic priests in my day. And um, I was more, if there was any belief, literally it was over the fear of hell rather than the promises of the kingdom. And I don't know about y'all, that wasn't going to get me from where I was to here. And I'm not bragging on myself. When I say to here, it is an honor to stand in this pulpit. And it is a measure of what a few years and a few, in a short distance, what, what God can do. He plays no favorites. Those of you that have lived that life that I lived, hey, I see lives out here daily that he's, he's, he's bringing the same, the same walk. In fact, one person who shall remain unnamed actually might have been with me that night at 112 and a half um, Brook Lane Drive. But um, 
it's been a, it ain't over yet. The walk ain't over yet. Let me, let me find my place here. What if I told you, though, that as far as it is from here back to there, what if I told you that in that moment, in that lifestyle, that it was every bit as far from there to here as it is from here back to there. Does that make any sense? Now I want you to, to, to try to follow me on this. Um, I know that um, that seems like it should be something that's only a decision away. In fact, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And that is very true. Every word in the Word of God is true, and if it says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved, then, then hallelujah, those that have of us that have done that are saved. I'm not talking about just salvation. What I'm talking about, as Pastor Mark says, at that point it's not about getting us into heaven, it's about getting heaven into us. What if I'm talking about the life, the potential, the blessings, the rewards, the benefits of the born-again spirit that we can have if we know how to receive them. Most of y'all know that, obviously, that I work at the foundry, and, and most of the time when I, when I minister to people, it's um, either at the foundry or at the Love Lady Center or, you know, some other recovery program. I, I don't get that many opportunities to to speak in a quote-unquote normal church. And, and it's an honor when I do, don't get me wrong, and it's an even bigger honor when it's this church because it's my home church, also because of the, the unofficial partnership that, that we enjoy here at Heritage Christian Center with the Foundry. Uh, it's just like um, we refer to the body of Christ as not being the building but being the church, the ecclesia, the chosen. And I think that, that there are few, if any, examples of that that are, that are more plain than they are in this partnership. But don't think that what I'm saying is just for the men and the women that are here from the foundry. Because all of us deal with an addiction to something. You know, I believe that, um, and I'm going to talk about all our struggles in a minute, but I believe that when, when we have a hard time going from that lifestyle that where we struggle with everything to where God wants us to be, it's simply because we're trying to receive things in the wrong way. I have people tell me all the time, they say, Bryce, I pray, and I pray, and I pray. But I don't hear God's voice. I read the Bible, but I don't understand a thing. It's just words on a written page. I come to church, 
I hear Pastor Bill, Pastor Mark, Ricky Todd, whoever it is preaching. But it's like they're talking to somebody other than me. I believe that it's all about we're trying to receive the things of the Spirit of God in the flesh. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Some translations say the God of this world has blinded. And we all know that the God of this age, the God of this world is the enemy. He blinds us to the things of the Spirit of God because he don't want us to receive the things of the Spirit of God. He wants us to keep trying to understand these things in the flesh. And as long as we do that, we're going to struggle. We're going to become frustrated. We may even give up. You know, I, I referred a few minutes ago about me being raised in the Catholic Church. One of the things that, that turned me off, and I'm not knocking Catholicism, there are people, my mother and daddy's in, in heaven today, and they were introduced to Jesus through the faith of the Catholic Church. Um, but the Catholic's understanding of grace that Every time I commit what is labeled a mortal sin, that basically I lose my salvation. And if I get run over on a truck by a truck on the way to see the priest, then you know this may be a simplistic explanation of it, but I'm basically going to hell. That is a burden I couldn't bear. See, I was trying to understand that in the natural, in the, the legalism of, of the denominational rules and understanding, interpretation, they're spent on the Bible. Just And, and all denominations have those, those things, and I'm not just picking on the Catholics. But as long as I was trying to understand that strictly as words on a written page, that was a burden that I couldn't bear. And I was never going to be able to feel that I could live up to that burden. I finally got to the point and said, you know what the heck, there is a hell and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to have fun getting there. But when I began to study... And I began to pray God to enter in my spirit. When I hit my knees that morning, I said, God, either help me change or let me die. And I began to desire the things of the spirit to enter my life. That's when I began to receive things. Begin, now let me say, it didn't happen overnight. That's when I began to receive things in the spirit. Fallon, when you got all that restriction, what was it, like 36 weeks, something like that? And you told me in the beginning of it, you said, I'm just going through the motions. You were receiving it in, strictly in the flesh. You were looking at what you couldn't do, the, the privileges that had been taken from you. There was nothing spiritual about it. But I've watched you, what, however many weeks it's been, I've watched you grow, and I believe you're getting this because you've started to receive the things of the Spirit of God spiritually. That's the only way it's ever going to work. Tamara, you've told me, I wish I could count on, the, on, on the, the, my fingers how many times you've told me through the years when you were working at Milestones and different things, you'd say, I wish I could have what you have. 
Well, the reason you never had what I have is because you always tried to receive it in the flesh and not in the spirit. And I'm not criticizing you. Please don't think that. Men, women, ladies, gentlemen, the more that we try to receive the things of the Spirit of God in the flesh, the more frustrated we're going to become. I said a minute ago that, that we all struggle with something. Uh, it doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol. It's, um, you know, I heard Pastor Mark when I first came to the foundry. I don't know if it was a church service, if it was a class, but I heard him talk about his, um, what he called his addiction to, to what he referred to as fried carbohydrates dipped in sugar. And I'm thinking, you know, we're talking about men and women dying of heroin overdoses, and here this guy is talking about lemon donuts. Love lemon donuts. And I thought, you know what, if I ever get to that place in my life, I will think that I have died and gone to heaven. Well, fast forward about seven years. My wife, again, a little over a year ago, was in the hospital. Um, most of y'all know that I work two jobs. I run all the time. I was working at the foundry, working for the Birmingham News, trying to spend time with her in the hospital. And about Wednesday, I realized I've not eaten since Sunday. So Wednesday night, I tried to eat a bowl of soup, and I couldn't keep it down. I get up Thursday morning, I told Pastor Mark, I called, I said, I can't come to work today. I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, you better go to the doctor and find out. So I go to the ER down here, and Dr. Denny, who I've known for years, he said, are you diabetic? I said, Dr. Denny, you've known me for years. You know I'm not diabetic. He said, I'm going to check it anyway. So he checks it. Comes back and he checks it again. He comes back this time, he said, you may not be diabetic. He said, but you're... Um, your sugar's over 600. He said, you should either be dead or in a coma. So all of a sudden, I'm at a place where lemon cream filled donuts are a big problem in my life. And I didn't think I'd died and gone to heaven at that point. Now, I do believe in God's healing. Let me just tell you this. I've, I've taken one metformin pill since January 1st. Me and Pastor Mark prayed about this. We picked a date. And, and I, I've, I've submitted, you know, my will to God's. I still have my struggles. I'll be honest with you, through this thing with Annette, I've not needed a drink. I've not needed a hit off a joint. I've not needed a Valium. I've not needed any kind of substance. But I've needed a Butterfinger. And I've needed a Three Musketeer bar. And I've needed a little Debbie. And there's days that I've given in. And one time, one time, during these last three weeks that I checked my sugar and it was high enough that I took one of those sugar pills. One time, one day, and I've submitted myself, my will to his, and all of a sudden, his healing, his healing never left me. Just like when, whenever we, um, we're struggling with, with, with addiction, whatever it is, whether it, whether it be cigarettes, whether it be sweets, whether it be men, women, lust, pornography, whatever it is, doesn't mean that we've lost our salvation. It doesn't mean that we're not still born again just because we have struggles. It just means that for a, a moment, a slight moment in time, that we let our, our guard down, and all of a sudden we let the things of the flesh overcome the things of the Spirit. The Bible says, though my 
outer man perish, my inner man is renewed day by day. But we have to work on this. Also says in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe that the renewing of the mind is a constant process, a lifelong process that my mind will be completely renewed when I take my last breath here and my first breath there. And so there's been a few days through this struggle that, um, that I've, I've, I've let my guard down and I've, I've been on a Butterfinger binge. Maybe not a binge, but more than I should have. So when I talk to you tonight, I'm not just preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to me. Because I need to hear these things myself. But I need to be constantly reminded that I need to receive the things of the Spirit of God in the Spirit instead of the flesh. I know born-again believers that are still struggling. I, I, know, I know ladies that are still out there prostituting their bodies for drugs. I know men that are still out there, born-again men, still robbing, stealing, whatever it takes, making dope, selling dope. The prisons are full of born-again believers that somehow or another never figured out how to receive the things of the Spirit of God in the Spirit. I told you that, um, that I had all these verses, all these, um, these notes, and the Lord just spoke to me and He said, you know, you don't need your notes, you got mine. And, and, he, and he said, um, he just keeps giving me Romans chapter 6. I believe that everything that we need to know about receiving the things of the Spirit of God in the Spirit and allowing our spirit to overcome our flesh are contained in those few verses in Romans chapter 6. So I'm going to take you through a few of them. Matt, when I talk too long, tell me to be quiet and um, I'll be quiet. Y'all care if I come down here a minute? If I don't trip getting up and down steps, we'll be good. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Verse 2, certainly not. How can he who has died to sin live any longer in it? You know, I've had some experiences myself. I've done some interventions. I've gone back into some of these dope houses. I didn't do that in the first one or two or three or even four years of, of sobriety, so I'm not advocating that you men or women at the foundry think that that's something that God is liable to call you to do anytime soon. But I've gone back into some of these places, and I go in there and I, I smell the, the stench, and I see the filth. There's no running water. There's no electricity. You don't ever know if the, the next knock on the door is the police coming to take everybody to jail or if it's um, someone coming in there with an AK to mow everybody down. But I've gone in these places to, to do interventions and, and I've thought about it. I said, you know, my God, having been set free from that lifestyle, how could I live in it any longer? How could I stand to be here even for a few minutes? And that's what, to me, Romans chapter 6, verse 2 says, Certainly not. How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? How can we stand to be a part of what once destroyed us? 
I mean, we got to make a decision. Do you understand that? We've got to make a decision that I'm not going to do this anymore. And it don't matter what it is, whether it's, like I said, all, all the other things, the list could go on. Gambling, uh, did somebody say sex, that three-letter word? Any of this stuff. I have to make up my mind. Uh, and, and this isn't from the book of, of Romans, but 1 Corinthians uh, 9.27, but I discipline my body and bring, in a, bring it into subjection, lest what I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, if I tell you about all the rewards of good, clean, sober living, but then I want to go out on Saturday night when nobody's looking to smoke crack, don't you believe that I'm kind of robbing myself and disqualifying myself of the blessings that I preach to you, that I teach you during the week? Verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in a newness of life. The Bible says that you can't put old wine in a new wine sack. We've got to clean out the old. If we're ever going to have the new, if we're ever going to walk in the newness of life, we're going to have to let loose of that old person. The, the next verse I'm going to read you, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We have to let this old person die. This old person, the only place, the only way that it can live is right there in my head. If I don't let him live, he's a goner. But when I'm tempted, when I'm tempted to do something that I know is wrong, but I want to pridefully impose my will over his, and I want to go do it anyway, then I have to let that old man come back to life. But if I can keep him in his place, if I can keep him in that unmarked grave with Jesus, he never has to threaten me again. I'm telling y'all now, I'm not bragging on me. Please understand this. All I did was get tired of fighting. My God, I fought and I fought and I fought and I fought. You know, I fought judges. I fought family. I fought preachers. I, I fought counselors. Anything, anybody that would try to tell me that I was doing this thing the wrong way, that it wasn't normal to go to jail every other weekend, that it wasn't normal to, to, to not have your kids want to have anything to do with you, that it wasn't normal to... Uh, you know, go from living in a big house and driving Corvettes to walking. You know, anybody that tried to tell me my way wasn't the right way, I didn't have no use for them. But I finally had to come to the point to let my fleshly will die. Third step of the, of the 12 steps, we turn our will and our life over to the care of God. I have to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as many times a day as I am tempted. Whether it be to get frustrated with the foundry. Look, if y'all want to know everything that's wrong with the foundry, you don't have to go to the smoke pit. Sit down with me for five minutes and I can tell, tell you everything wrong with it. 
but I can tell you more right with it, so you better give me about another 30. But, um, but, but whether it's that, whether it's because I go in a convenience store and the, the chrome wrappers on the Butterfingers and the Baby Ruth bar just call my name. Absolutely. You know, whatever it is that I have to struggle with today, I have to turn my will and my life over to his care. That is surrendering my flesh to the Spirit. I don't believe that it's possible for anybody to go everywhere that God intends for us to go is, is a two-dimensional approach to recovery. And I'm not talking about just drugs and alcohol. I'm talking about anything. We're, we're a three-dimensional being, being, spirit being, we possess a soul and it's contained in a physical body. I believe that, that unless we are born again, that unless we know the redemptive rights of the born again spirit, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And unless we, I'm not talking about knowing it in our mind. I'm not talking about just knowing it to speak the words. I'm talking about knowing it in our very being. That everything, every inch of me is wrapped around this. That is how I submit my will to His. And that's how I, I receive the things of the Spirit of God. In the Spirit, I'm not perfect at it. One of my favorite passages, um, and I know I keep going away from Romans chapter 6, but Philippians chapter 3, we, Paul said, not that I've already attained this, not that I've already apprehended, not that I'm already all this in a bag of chips, but this I do, forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what's ahead, reaching for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If I, if I strive, if I get up every day with that being my goal for the day, is today to get through without going back to the flesh less times than I did yesterday, then I believe in my heart that, that, um, that I'm making progress. I, you know, I'm one of the few people in faith-based faith recovery that will talk about the, the 12 steps occasionally and, and um, the big book. I, I believe we go from a bigger book, but... Uh, one of the things in chapter 5 in the big book is that we practice spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. When we stumble a little bit, it don't mean that we lose everything that God's done for us. If I go out and, 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 and you know, I mean, here it is. I'm going to probably drink a Dr. Pepper before I go to bed tonight. But it don't mean that I'm not going to heaven. So I'm not going to smoke and crack. promise you that. I'm not, you know, there, there are places I believe that God has completely set me free. I believe he'll do the same for y'all. I, um, I used to didn't think I could go eight and a half hours, let alone eight and a half years, without sticking a, a syringe full of powdered cocaine or, or a, in my arm or a, um, or a crack pipe to my lips. But it's been eight and a half years. I, I told him, I, I spoke at the uh, 4th of July celebration at the um, Celebrate Recovery down here at Calvary Baptist Church in Concord last Wednesday, or this past Wednesday, and I told him, you know, 
I'm going to be down there on November 13th or the Wednesday night closest to that, and I'm going to pick me up a nine-year chip because I believe that God has permanently set me free from those addictions. I also believe in Acts 10.34 where it says God don't play any favorites. By the, by the covenant that we're in, bought by the blood of Jesus, the things that God has done in my life, he will do in every life in this room, every life within the sound of my voice. We've got to quit fighting him. <laughs> I've been kind of amused the last few days at the hospital. My wife, God bless her, they, they tell her she can't have thin liquids because it, the swallowing sequence is not healed yet enough to where they're not afraid that it will um, go into her lungs, airwave, and, and aspirate. It amazes you how many places somebody can hide a Coca-Cola. I don't know where she's getting them because she ain't getting them from me. But how many places she can hide a Coca-Cola in a hospital room? I mean, under the pillows, I'm talking about dirty clothes. I'm talking about between the mattress and the springs of the bed. And finally, I said, you know what? If you don't quit trying to believe that, that you're above the rules and submit your will to somebody else's will, the problem's not over with. There again, I have to remind my own self that. I like to drive 90 mile an hour down the interstate. Um, so sometimes I have to remind my own self of that. I better get back to Romans chapter 6. Um, I know I haven't got much more time here, but... Um, Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. If we let that old person die with him, you know, when, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come to earth as God. He didn't come as God with a little skin stretched over him. He came as man. The book of Hebrews said he had to, meet, had to be made to be like us in every way. So when he died, he died as a man. He felt every, every hammer mark, every blow, every thorn of that crown of thorns. We died with him. If we're born again believers, that old sinful spirit that we were born with died with him. But if we died with him, we're also, we also live with him. And it's in knowing that we live with him that gives us the ability to receive these things in the spirit. Now if we died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Jesus is not going to die again. Every time one of us sins, he doesn't have to be nailed to a cross all over again. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. If we live with him, the life that we live, we also live to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. It takes practice. It takes time. Just as my wife's having to learn to retrain her body and her mind to, to make the foot one foot in front of the other and, and not trip and, and to walk again. It takes time to come out of a life of sin and submit it to live in God's will. And the devil's going to try to tell us. He's going to say, boy, you botched that one. You know, you're not even really saved or you wouldn't have even thought about doing something like that. I was teaching phase one class at the foundry one time and had a guy come back from a... Um, Weekend passed. He said, I had a mental relapse this weekend. I said, a mental relapse? You want to tell me about it? He said, yeah. He said, I found myself in the little hometown I live in around some people who I didn't have any business being with, and they were getting high. He said, and I said, well, I'm not going to do it now, but later today when nobody's looking, I'm going to get high. I said, so what happened? He said, well, he said, I called somebody that I knew would talk sense into me. He said, I prayed about it. I asked God to take this urge away. I said, did you get high? He said, no. I said, okay. I said, so you had a victory. You won a victory. And that lying devil is trying to make you believe that it was a loss. So we need to learn to, when we have the little wins, to recognize them for what they are and don't let anybody take it away from us. We also learn the things that work in our lives. You know, Get Pastor Mark someday to tell you how many texts he gets from me in a week's time. Can I call you? And I guarantee you if he gets any from me, he probably gets more from Wes, but don't y'all tell him I said that. But, um, <laughs> amen. But um, it takes practice. See, God places people in our lives. He places, places the Word of God in our lives. He replaces prayer. He, he, gives us, he places prayer in our lives. The things that work, it takes time to learn to use these things. The better, the, the longer we go at it, the easier it is for us until it gets to be a place where, like I said, during this time that, that my wife and I have, have walked through this journey the last few weeks, that, that I've not been tempted to drink or get high or take any kind of mind mood altering substance whatsoever because I've learned. Had this happened six years ago, we might be having a different conversation today. But see, I also believe that God protects us. That would we submit our will to His, His hand is on us. I'm not saying that He takes His hand completely off of us when we don't submit our will to His. The Bible said, if I made, even if I made my bed in hell, He's there. Believe me, the night that I got shot six times, He was there. I'm not supposed to be standing here today. I'm, you know, when that judge sentenced me to life in prison, the next words out of her mouth wouldn't be, wasn't supposed to be, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to do a five-year split or go to the foundry. You know, we get these mercies and these graces that we don't deserve. I'm about through. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I don't think that there's a more important verse in the Bible than Romans 6.14 For sin shall have no dominion over you for you're no longer under the law but under grace. Every time we mess up 
it goes back to, to Romans 6, 1, the first verse I read. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin so that, that grace may abound? That, that is not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it is. It's not something to be abused. Uh, an example that I use is 15th of the month when I get paid, I go to Pleasant Grove out here to Alpha, and I pay my car insurance. And it's not so that I can run 150 miles an hour up the interstate because, you know, if I hit something, big deal, it's covered. It's so that when I have this occasional mishap, it's covered. Grace is the same way. It's not so that we can go live in a wanton life that, that, that you know, the rules don't apply to us, the, the laws don't apply to us. It's that when I have that occasional stumble, you know what? Jesus took my judgment to the cross. I have already been judged for the sins. The judgment that I will have from this day forward and that, that all of you as born-again believers will have from this day forward is what we do with what we're given to work with. I believe that, that so many of us, people that don't even, that are in this room today that don't even realize it yet that when we get to heaven that God's going to put his arm around us and he's going to say, see that group of people over there? Those are lives that you affected. There's potential. There is so much potential if we don't let the devil steal it. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. Romans 6, 18. Having been set free from sin, we became slaves to righteousness. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that our righteousness is as filthy rags Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. See, I could never have made myself bad enough to be a sinner, and I can never make myself be good enough to be righteous. But something, if, if Pastor Mark hadn't taught me anything over the last year, it's that, if he hadn't taught me anything else, the one thing he's taught me is that the righteousness of God that lives in me is what produces the righteous behaviors. The more that I can believe that I am the righteousness of God, I know this is one of your favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Righteousness is not a state of doing, ladies and gentlemen. It is a state of being. And the more that we can wrap our arms around that, the more that we can receive the things of the Spirit of God. I don't have to behave righteously to be a righteous being. But it is in knowing that I am the righteous being that allows me to behave righteously. We get it backwards. It's one of the, few th one of the many things we get backwards that we believe that in order to be righteous, we must first behave righteously when instead it's just the opposite. It's in believing our righteousness that allows us to behave righteously. I got two more verses. For when we were slaves to sin, for when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. We still had the choice to behave righteously then. We wouldn't have been righteous. But we still had that option. But the righteousness of God is a free gift. It can't be bought. It can't be earned. 
It was bought at a price, but it wasn't our price. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit in holiness and to end, in the end everlasting life. You know, that is something that, that once it's given to us, once we accept it, it's not something that we can give away. I used to think I could forfeit my salvation. I used to believe that I could forfeit my righteousness. I can remember Pastor Mark just sitting and beating on a table and saying, once you've been born again, you can't be unborn. We've got to believe that. We've got to believe that nothing that we can do can take away who we are. One of the, one of the questions on a self-evaluation is people, when the people at the foundry move into to phase one is what is identity? In your own words, what is identity and why is that important? And I get all kind of answers. Well, identity is who people think you are. Identity is the way we behave. Identity is the way we carry ourselves. Identity is knowing who we became the day we became the new creation in Christ. Identity is knowing who I am in the kingdom of God. And identity is knowing that I never have to be a slave to sin again. Now, I hope that I've made sense tonight. I hope y'all have understood and, and, you know, I'm not as good at connecting the dots as Pastor Mark. I know that. After hearing that first sermon 20 years ago, I don't feel quite so badly. Don't y'all tell him I said that, but um, he's come a long way. Maybe 20 years from now I will too, but uh, I just believe with everything in me that if we can, that if we can just figure this out, that, that I'm never going to receive the things of the Spirit of God in my flesh. That I have to give myself over to a whole new realm. That I have to learn to function as a spiritual being that I am. And it's like everything else. The more that we do it, the, more, the easier it becomes. And, and you know, I said one more verse. I've been wanting to read this verse and it's not from the book of Romans. I said I wasn't going to because it's talking about something a little different. But you don't have to connect the dots very far to get here. Just bear with me. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. John 14, 17. The world cannot know the Spirit of God. You know, we've got to forget that we live in the world and start remembering that we live in the Spirit of God. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is at hand. The Spirit of God is upon us. He said the, the, the kingdom of God, he said, excuse me, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is upon us. He said the kingdom of God is not something that you can say it's over here, it's over there, because the kingdom is within you. And when we realize that the kingdom of God is within us, 
that's when we can, can begin to function as citizens of the kingdom of God. Will you all stand with me? Went too long, but you all don't tell on me. Maybe he'll let me do this again. Um, before, before I pray, I've got to ask if there's anybody here that, that, that you've, you've, you've never met God, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but tonight's your night. I'd like to see you just raise your hand. Anybody? All right, I'm going to pray with us, and then, like I said earlier, we'll all go home. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I want to thank you for the men and the women in this building tonight, Lord. Father, I, I pray that not just them, but those that they will come in contact with over the next few days, weeks, years, and the rest of their life, Lord, that, that maybe something that they heard from your word tonight, Lord, will enable them to connect and minister to others, Father. I believe that it's in, in, in given that we receive, Lord. I, I believe that, that uh, we are ambassadors just as your word says. And I believe that one way to keep functioning in the Spirit is to continue to give of the Spirit. God, I, I thank you for these men and these women, Lord. Father, I thank you for the, the things that's changing in their lives, Lord. I thank you for the potential in each and every one of them. Father, I just ask you, Lord, to, to be with us through this next week. Keep us safe when we gather again in this, in this room for the next service, Lord. I, I just pray that we're all here free, clean, born again. And God, I just, um, as our pastor travels back from vacation, Lord, I, I pray safety for he and his family. And God, I just pray that the men and women in this room tonight realize that living in the Spirit, functioning in the Spirit, is the key to freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.